We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, probably a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Ty Windish, and this is a classic Eurostep postgame pod because I'm here with the triumphant Rohan Kadi after the Bucks demolished the Miami Heat 132-198. What a game, what a night. Rohan, how's it going? I am doing incredible. Today has been a fantastic day. I hooped for the first time in a while today. I got to see an absolute ass kicking from the Milwaukee Bucks. What for the first time? I hooped. I thought you said pooped. I was like, have you been constipated? Did we need to know that? <laughs> no, no, I was out there hooping for the Glad first time hooped. in like a year. It was great. It's been a lovely day, and it was just. It, the epitome of it was this game. It was just a triumphant win. That was a fitting adjective for you. Uh, just an incredible performance from the Milwaukee Bucks. It really was. Uh, I think heading out of game one, I mean, we were sighing for relief that the Bucks pulled it out. But I think we saw positive signs. I mean, both of our takes was Bucks in five after that. I think we may be reaching for the brooms a little bit now. Maybe Bucks you more than me. Yeah, yeah, you know, there, there's 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 a case. So they were chanting it. Pfizer good was good for them. Good for them. Um, there's no reason not to right now after how this game went. And I think what we took away from game one was the Bucks shot unseasonably terrible. Giannis did not play particularly well, but that is a Heat game plan thing. The shooting wasn't a game plan thing. That was just bad luck, basically. The Bucks had some solid looks just could not convert on them. The honest thing, maybe that's just a game plan, who knows, but on the flip side, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo were absolutely neutralized in game one, and the the national narrative was kind of, oh, I don't know, if they're, they're probably not going to play that bad again, so it's Milwaukee barely won, that's a little questionable. Our take was more like they got kind of strangled by the Bucks' defense and the way Milwaukee threw Giannis, P.J. Tucker, and Drew Holiday at Jimmy Butler. Brooke Lopez doing amazing work on Bam Adebayo, choking away the painted area. That does seem a little bit sustainable. Turns out we were right. I think that, for me, was the story of this game. I think the shooting is going to get a lot of headlines, and it should. We'll get to Bryn Forbes just being absolute supernova, interior, volcano, flamethrower, all the hot things. 
It was just called hot directly by Kevin Harlan. Who knows what he meant by that? But the defense on the Miami Heat's two best players, to me, was really what stood out about this game. And uh, Rohan, I think it's slander time. I'm going to unleash you. I know you have some thoughts. I know you have some takes. Tell us about Milwaukee just choking out Miami's offense. So going into game two, like you had mentioned, uh, Miami had realized, okay, the Bucks are really playing uh, really off of Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. They are really trying their best to neutralize their two best players, as you should do as a uh, coaching staff against a team who's a lesser opponent. You want to you wanna take out their two best players because the rest of the team shouldn't be able to do anything. The first couple possessions of this game, we saw the Heat go directly to Bam Adebayo and try to get him going against Brook Lopez. Guess what, Ty? Did not work for the second consecutive game because Bam has no answer for Brook Lopez. None whatsoever. He can't score on him. He's clearly uncomfortable with this situation. It's uncomfy. There's, it's very uncomfy. Very uncomfy for Bam down there. Or Idris, sorry. Uh, just that's his, that's his first Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I, whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's it's that it's that type of night. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they just made life uncomfortable for Bam again. He immediately bricked three shots and was like, "Okay, I'm not going to shoot again for the rest of the first quarter because I can't do anything." That he was what pulled, Bam. He got pulled mind. relatively early in that quarter too. I think there was like six minutes left when when he came out of the game and, and Dwayne Dedman went into the game. So I, I don't know if that's the usual rotation pattern or if that's kind of Spo Eric Spolstra looking at this and going, eh, "It's not working right now. Let's let's turn it off and turn it back on and see if the Bam is is providing better results later on." And it's not just Bam. It was Jimmy again struggling from the field. Struggling starts off two of six in the first quarter and four of ten overall for the game. Just an absolute poor performance from both of Miami's supposedly star players. Just so bad. So bad. They can't do anything because they're trying to get to the rim. And Milwaukee's like, okay, we're going to shut that down. We're shutting that down right away. And like I'm sure you can talk about this. Jimmy just he he's not doing anything when he's driving. He's just ready to give it up. He's pirouetting and just throwing the ball back out because I mean I I did a poll on Twitter. Would you rather be guarded by a stream of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, PJ Tucker with Brooke Lopez manning the second line of defense or go directly to hell? Hell won by like a 90 to 10 margin. People would rather go to hell than deal with what Jimmy Butler is putting up with. That said though, when you're supposedly a superstar player in the NBA, there can't really be excuses for back-to-back games like this. I mean, Giannis has caught so much heat for scoring like 35 points total in back-to-back games. Jimmy Butler put up 10. What did he put up in game one? Like 12, 14, 15? 17. 17. Oh, okay. So but do you want to know what Jimmy's uh, stats are through two games? He's sure currently 13.5 points per game. 25% from the field, 22.2% from three, and a minus 42 overall. See, I've talked about this with Giannis in the past. Like, there's games when the Bucks, if the Bucks lose the Giannis minutes by a lot, it just feels like you're toast. Like, everything is untenable. Like, you cannot win sustainably if you just get shellacked with your best player out there. The fact that the Bucks have just hung buckets on Jimmy Buckets, ironically, in his minutes in both games, is such a bad sign for the Miami Heat. It was much worse in this game. I think Miami's defense of him was fine-tuned, and they took away the one adjustment that Spo had made, or at least the one thing that was working for Miami against the drop coverage. But clearly, Brooke Lopez and, and the Bucks used to play in this drop. I mean, we argued, should they even bother with drop at all? Should they just switch 24-7? Turns out I'm taking the L here. We have our answer. The drop still has some uses, namely against this team and against the team they'd probably run into in the conference finals if they can get past Brooklyn and, of course, close this thing out. But there are still some uses for this drop. The Wizards? They're gonna, you're going to run drop against the Wizards? Yeah, I think you could drop against Daniel Gatt. You could definitely drop against Russell Westbrook, that's for sure. But <laughs> uh, potentially Philly if they get there as well. Your, your favorite, I your they, favorite I bit. I guess they have a chance. Your favorite bit uh, right there. But – 
Jimmy and Bam, it's not even that they're bad three-point shooters. They just refuse. Combined zero for zero from deep in this game. And we expect this from Adebayo. But Jimmy Butler talked about taking a bunch of threes if that's what he had to do. What, did he attempt seven in game one? Nine. Nine attempted threes. Two of nine one. from three in in game one. And afterwards, like you had just mentioned, he had talked about that's unseasonably high for him. He does not like to shoot a lot of threes, especially in this regular season. He did not. And so nine attempts was a bit of an outlier for him. And he talked post game about how Milwaukee is giving him these opportunities. And yeah, that's what we've been talking about. There definitely are. They're daring him to do it. And he said, yeah, if that's what they're giving me. I'll go take it. You're not. You're not taking it. The lie detector test determined that was a lie. Ben Simmons-esque from deep for Jimmy Butler right now. I mean, he's on the perimeter running the offense, doing setting up his pick and rolls and dribble handoffs or whatever. And when he's all alone, wide open beyond the arc, he doesn't even look at the rim, man. Like, that's how you know. That's how, if you're playing drop coverage, there is nothing more comfortable than when the player doesn't even think about it. Like, there is no hesitation that that is the right defensive scheme in that situation because it's like, of course he's not going to make a three. He's not even going to look at trying to shoot a three. I'm just going to wave back here and, and see what happens. And more often than not, it was good for the Bucks. So the one adjustment I talked about, and I want you to go into this because you were all over this in the game one post-game pod. You're all over it again. But the issue with the drop was Duncan Robinson. So – the Heat were having Bam Adebayo's man screen for Duncan and running the dribble handoffs that they love so much and everything else. And Which Bam, are illegal screens every Bam time. Bam illegally screaming his behind. What do you have? One personal foul in this game. Probably drew like five on the bucks for illegally screening. Milwaukee needs to send a tape of this. They have a couple days until game three. Send a tape of that to the league office. It's absolutely ridiculous. But league office having a tough time out here today, especially with this uh, oh Portland-Denver game. Well, also, the LeBron thing. Oh, yeah. this is It's just a tough look. It's an awful, awful look. At yeah. NBA official, if you were wondering. Down stocks. But, um, yeah, the, but that was working for Miami. They, they were springing those shooters. But go into the Bucks adjustment and how that carried over from later game one into all of game two. Yeah, so initially, like you mentioned, in game one, Duncan Robinson was getting a quick good looks really easy, and everyone was panicking right off the bat, like, oh, no, it's going to happen again because Duncan Robinson had the Heat's first nine points on three threes, and that's because they were running deep drop with Brooke Lopez. So what the Bucks did to adjust to that situation is if there was a weak side defender, they would come and help if the guy who was uh, defending Duncan Robinson couldn't get over the screen. Or if it was on an empty side action, they would just trap them. So then you're just forcing Duncan Robinson to pass the ball to Bam, who's going to struggle to score because he's Bam Adebayo. And you're just going to get that neutralized right away. So that's a way that Milwaukee is still able to run that drop scheme and still contest those um, shooters in Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic mainly in these two games. So you're managing to keep that drop scheme, which is really working against Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and you're neutralizing the shooters. So Milwaukee has turned one of their most exploitable tactics in the drop scheme into one of their most effective. And that is getting into my hot take that I had teased on Twitter. Ooh, which is the hot take. The hot take is that the Milwaukee Bucks have the coaching advantage so far in this series. That was the flashpoint. My room just exploded from the heat of the take. Elaborate. Enhance. We've only seen two games, right? It's only been two Correct. games. Well, actually, you know, some people would say the Bucks are up 4-0 because they've beat the Heat and the officials twice in this series. Oh, you're but right. But technically right. the league is only going to count it as two games. So, yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're up 2-0 right now. The Heat have gotten a lot of different looks. They've tried to attack this Buck scheme in a lot of different ways. And every single time that Miami does something, Bud has a counter right away. He has a counter right away, and it's absolutely neutralizing anything Miami wants to do. Lineups you want to talk about, defensive schemes, offensive schemes, which way your players are going to get into their own actions. Every single thing that Miami is trying to exploit, Bud has been right on it. And credit where credit is due. 
Coach Budenholzer has outcoached Eric Spolstra so far. We like I we've been some of Coach Budenholzer's biggest critics over 100%. the past two years. Hundred past two years, which is why we have to give him the flowers now. This is yes. incredible. It's a, it's I think you've used the term before. It's been a masterclass, and I think I still stand by that. You know, if all things are equal roster wise, Spolstra's probably got the upper hand, but. Bud has the better roster. Bud has arguably the best player in the world, two other all-star level players, even if the league is going to be frivolous and have Chicago have two all-stars and Indiana have two all-stars and all those all-stars are sitting on their damn couches now. So you could argue how good they actually are. Indiana's got like 10 guys that everyone loves, but, you know, couch bound. Any, I digress. It's um, okay. Their coach doesn't like them. So it's <laughs> Nick Nurse disciples joining Nick Nurse on the couch this year. Anyway, I digress. I digress. Um, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks are more talented, so you don't need to be this absolute overthinking coaching maestro. And one of the things I was most, I don't want to say worried about, because I, I never think Twitter will impact Bud. If there's one thing about Bud, Bud is going to do Bud. I don't think Bud cares about the quarterback. Except for what we say. Yeah, you listen, yeah of course, except for us. Um, but anything else, no. But... There was all this talk about how that was the focus of this series, aside from, you know, Chuck saying easy bucks win and, like I mentioned before, the, oh, well, this happened and this happened, so it actually is bad for the Bucks that they won, which is like re-examine. Oops, your, I'm saying they look beatable after game one. Re-examine your takes if, if winning a game is bad. But um, <laughs> the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. But I think what one of the main narrative or, or storylines was going to be how is how is Miami going to adjust to what Milwaukee did, and then how can Milwaukee adjust to that? And my whole point was you should have counters ready to counters, and we've seen some of those come out, but they should be minor, and the Bucks should absolutely force Miami to beat what they've been doing before they switch, which namely means the drop, right? That is, that's the tactic. Giannis and then sometimes Drew and PJ on Jimmy, Brooke Lopez on Bam Adebayo, drop, don't give them anything in the paint. And now the the, the adjustment was also take away shooters. So even if you're going to lose someone on the back end, that's fine. If you cover up Dragic and Duncan Robinson, TBH, you're not worried about anybody else in this team shooting. Nobody else is inspiring true fear from beyond the arc. It's just those two guys, and mostly it's just Duncan. And the, the Heat can play them together. No, I'm, I'm scared of Dragic. I'm scared of it, but Duncan's a different level. I think yeah, we can agree. Fair. It's a different level. Dragic has come up. I know. Dragic shoots like 10,000% against the Bucks. Well, you know, he was. Not tonight. Yeah, I was going to one for five tonight, but uh, point taken. Um, but if you play them both together, you're giving up a lot defensively, for sure. Although – Maybe not so much because I think some of the quote-unquote defenders on this Heat team aren't actually all that good at defense. We'll get there. but There's, the there's defenders on this team? <laughs> Jimmy and Bam who can't do anything on the other end. Um, but, you know, the Bucks in this game were not giving Duncan Robinson or Goran Dragic any space. 
and they basically said, if we lose someone for a second, fine. Like, we'll shift and recover, and we'll get enough of a barrier between whatever other player in the rim that they're going to be uncomfy. We're, we're not going to let you guys get the bailout threes. Because that was Miami's offense in game one, was like, nothing is happening, nothing is working. Oh, Duncan has a bit of space. That's a three. Okay, we got points. Game two, the Bucks said, well, that's not happening. You're going to have to beat the drop. It's no, We're not going to let you get these bailout three-pointers anymore. Duncan Robinson attempts six threes after making seven threes in game one. He only makes two of them. Miami had no offense. I mean, the pace of this game was out of control. The Bucks put up 132 points, raining down threes. And we will talk about the Bucks players. I just wanted to start with what I think was the master class, is how they handled Miami's offensive players. But the Heat only scored 98 points despite this insane pace. Less than less than double what the Bucks put up in the first quarter, Miami managed. Bucks have a 46-point first quarter. Miami manages 98 overall. My math might have been wrong on that, but it was pretty close at least. It was close. It was close. My math was wrong on that. I'll take the L. But it's just a dominant defensive performance where the Heat could not get comfortable. They could not get replicable good looks. And you just can't win like that against this Bucks team even if they're just having a solid shooting game, much less the, the kind of the way they shot in this, you know, in game two. But even an average shooting game, it's closer, but it's still going to be a Bucks win if Miami's getting absolutely no good offense. For sure. And another thing to add to what you were saying about they're trying to work off of these shooters, they're also putting them in the blender on the other end of the court. They are <laughs> hunting for them on the other end of the court, making them work, tire them out on the defensive end. If they want to run around screens, do their fun stuff on offense, like, sure, they're going to have to work on defense, too. That's what Milwaukee's trying to do out here. Every time Drew Holiday gets inside position on Dragic and Kendrick Nunn, he is putting them in the basket right away. Right away. Chris Middleton sees Duncan Roberts on him. Okay, I'm going to go dunk on you, which, by the way, I don't think we appreciated that. Like, Chris off the dribble dunking in the playoff game? Like, what's going on? Chris Middleton was 4 for 5 from the field in this game. Terrific all-around game. 17 points. He knew he didn't need to be a primary scorer, so he didn't worry about it. He just made his looks in traffic, which usually you'd get on him in a game like this, totally fine. He, in those four makes, felt like he sunned Duncan Robinson like 20 times. I was expecting to look at the box score and see like, 10 for 13, not 4 for 5. He clearly established some dominance in that matchup, and it's one of those where Miami doesn't have that many options. If Duncan's going to play, he's probably going to have to guard somebody good or be one screen away from guarding somebody good. And as you mentioned, to, to segue into this, the Bucks are finding where these guys are and just hunting them, and that's what you absolutely need to do against a team like this. But I will say... It's almost hard not to now because pretty much anybody not named Jimmy or Bam is looking, or, and Iguodala too, is looking like meat to this Bucks team on defense. Even Bam is getting disrespected. Yeah. I mean, isoing him away from the basket is the worst, but when the Bucks get in the paint, they're not having that much trouble with him. No, they're not. They're just bigger than him. Yeah. He, like, sure. Lopez like, is not impeded whatsoever. No, like. One of the reasons, like, Bam is really successful as a center has been. I won't say he's been successful so far. Uh, <laughs> well, he hasn't. Like, it's just, it's a certifiable fact that he's been buns for the past two games. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. One of the reasons he's been successful and has this reputation of not being buns, even though he is, is that he's been a solid, stocky defender and can ha- hang down there. And that's why he's been, like, the Heath primary center. Like, they've just not had to have a primary center on the on the floor. They've completely leaned into that after finally leaning into it last season during the fake playoff run. They... <laughs> It does, like you're saying, he's not impeded by Brooke Lopez. Like, Brooke Lopez is a massive human being, deceptively long, as you love to say. It's true. Just just absolutely successful. I'm going to let the listeners know that I'm currently watching Ty fight a bug right now. Dude, it's like a fruit fly. I've had, like, three fruit (laughs) flies orbiting me. It's very disorienting. But, you know, we're coming out on top. The the fruit flies are like uh, Bam Adebayo and Brooke Lopez (laughs) is you. (laughs) 
Yeah, just in this situation. Mashing. Because you're just, just mashing. Just mashing going over them. You're so much bigger than them. They are not impeding you. And that is what Brooke Lopez is doing to Bam. He's getting rebounds over him. Giannis is stunning him on the boards. It's just, it's just not good. It's not a good look for Bam. One thing we probably should talk about that we haven't enough, and I'm glad we're getting to the Bucks now, so it can, can certainly keep going on Brooke Lopez where he talks about Chris. I got some slander for a Heat player or two. We'll save that for a little while. I want to talk Bucks. This is a Milwaukee Bucks podcast network. But the rebounding differential in this series has been brutal. I know game one, it was a wide gulf as well. I don't have the number in front of me. But game two, Miami pulls in 36 rebounds. The Bucks pull in 61, including 21 defense or offensive, excuse me, offensive boards. They had nearly as many offensive rebounds as Miami had defensive rebounds. And clearly the Bucks having a, a good shooting night helps with that. And notice I'm saying good, not like generational. They ended up shooting 48, 41, 90, which is like I mean, they did make a playoff uh franchise record in threes. Yeah, in but it's like but they they shot a ton. They took fifty three. Yeah. I mean and ten of them came in the first quarter. Yeah, forty one percent is good. Don't get me wrong, it's it's above average, but what is their average? Like thirty nine? I can see. 38, 39, it's got to be something like that. They're a good shooting team. I mean, Giannis trades it down like three points himself. Currently, for the Milwaukee Bucks, their 2020-2021 regular season, they are shooting. What are they shooting? Why is this not easy to find? Uh, 38.9% from three. So they shot 3% higher, less than 2.5%. That's it. Like, it's noticeable when you're talking about a lot of three-point attempts, but it's not a, a crazy outlier. I mean, Two two and a half percent. That's not a ton. They shot sixteen percent in game one. That's a lot more of an outlier than this game was. It comes down to what one one made three difference, just about maybe two yeah, around there. So take off six points, and it's one twenty six to ninety eight. Like it's still an ass kicking, just the same. Um, so I do think there's a lot more than, than three point shooting variance. I think it's more important to look at the Bucks getting. 53 good looks, Miami getting 28 not-so-good looks. That is more important, I think, and that has more to do with the rebounding because the Bucks are getting extra possession after extra possession. Again, 21 offensive rebounds. I mean, there's some on the same play, sure, but that's like 20 extra plays to find these shooters. And I feel like offensive rebounds often lead to really good looks from three because the, the defense is collapsing or sometimes trying to leak out early or just not set. So the Bucks are absolutely abusing. This is something we talked about in the game one post game, the win in six collab pod. Miami's big stink. Like Bam is clearly the best one, or maybe not, maybe not. Dwayne Dedman had himself a night tonight, although he still had a crazy bad plus minus because he just gets filleted every time on defense. But he scored. At least he scored. He did something out there. A couple good fouls. But the the I big mean, so ro- Bam. That's true. That's true. Um, but the big rotation for Miami is just terrible. Like for Trevor Ariza at the four. This guy stinks. This guy's cooked. This guy playing dirty with Giannis, tackling Giannis like he's trying out for Packers OTAs because he knows there's an Aaron Rodgers roster spot coming up soon. 0 for 3 from the field, 0 points, pushing up off Giannis like a badass? There's more flagrant fouls than points in this game. It's a factual. Like, this guy is upset that Giannis is delivering him a George Gervin, Michael Jordan moment. It's basically saying, you're done, old man, go sit down, and, and Gervin did. Like, that really happened, by the way. Jordan's a psycho, but... That is spiritually happening with Giannis and Trevor Ariza right now, and he's trying to resist, but it's like, hang it up, dude. I know in the game one, the broadcast said, he brings championship experience, having won it in 2009 and being on a lot of good teams since then, a.k.a. not doing it again since then. Maybe he should have just hung it back up, hung it up back in like 09. There's nothing good we, coming after that. We call that a David West. Do, do, do you know what I'm referring to? Uh, David West so. said uh, he knew it was time to hang it up when uh, Josh Hart, uh, he couldn't <laughs> back down Josh Hart. He was like, yeah, I got to retire, man. <laughs> yeah, Trevor Ariza should, I mean, like, don't show up for game three, my guy. Yeah. Nope. You said you said it's Giannis's fault that Trevor, like Giannis is telling Trevor Ariza. I think it's also like the heat 
because he was brought in to be a Jay Crowder replacement, and but he can't do either of the three things that Jay Crowder could do. Like he's not a tough guy. He's a vague nope. tough guy. Nope. He can't hit threes, and he can't play defense. So you're doing everything the exact opposite of what the Heat brought you in to do, and you're just a bump too. I can't believe he's making dirty plays. I mean, I I I don't want to say I get it, but clearly it's the frustration of knowing it. I mean, yeah, when you're just getting everything handed to you and you realize your career's over, like you know I'd, I'd get a little bad. frustrated. You know, you're down real bad when you're like, I just need to be James Ennis to fulfill the role that is here for me on this team, and you're reaching as far deep in the tank as you can go in, you know, a crucial playoff game. And you can't get to James Ennis. You can't get to late stage James Ennis on the Orlando Magic. James Ennis was playing better than Trevor Ariza. That's for damn sure. But that's enough about uh, Ariza and and just bad. But Miami's big rotation. It's not good, right? Like it. That's that's their starting four. I can't believe for nearly twenty minutes of this game they were still like, hey, you want to try and guard Giannis, Trevor? He's, I would be I would be like trying to commit fouls on the Heat players at this point, like. Why are you making me do this? I clearly cannot do this anymore, if ever, probably ever, but certainly not in the last decade. Um, yeah, no, there was there was points where they switched. Like I forget who it was. Was it Jimmy or Bam? One of the two on the Giannis, and then he was cooking. So they're like, okay, Trevor, go back. And then the first possession, he's back guarding Giannis. He just fouls him right away, and you can see it just muttering under his breath, like, what what's going on? Yeah, like, what, what's the point here? But their big rotations: Trevor Ariza, Bam Adebayo, starting four five, and then. It's Deadman and Iguodala is the rest. So it's like keeping score, it's not very many good or complete players. And certainly just like the size matters. Deadman is an undersized center, isn't he? Isn't he like 6'9"? Uh, maybe he's maybe he's six eleven. Maybe he's six eleven, but he's not huge. He's certainly not Brooke Lopez size, and he's not getting up over He's Giannis. a seven footer. He is a, oh, he's a seven footer, really? Yeah. I wonder who I'm thinking of. But he didn't rebound. Oh, I guess he had nine boards. Not bad. But he only played 21 minutes because he's getting absolutely cooked. So when Deadman's not in, especially, there's just no size. Like, Bam is a small center. Bam is more of a 4-5. Trevor Ariza is, again, like a non-entity at this point. Like, Casper, the friendly ghost out there. And then Iguodala is like, he's truly a small forward who plays power forward because he can't shoot. But he's not going to grab a billion rebounds. He grabbed four in four. 14 minutes. But again, they just... They can't afford to play their other quote-unquote bigs because they just don't contribute enough either defensively for Deadman, offensively for Iguodala, or at literally anything in the case of Ariza. So, like, they're just – they're getting mashed on the boards. And that's – like, Brooke Lopez has been excellent in drop, and I'm glad that that's getting the coverage it deserves. But he's been boxing out too, and, like, these other Bucks have been rebounding really well, including Dante, the guards. Especially. Dante has seven Drew Holiday has seven. Giannis has 13. Bobby Portis has five. Brent Forbes has five. Like, the whole Bucks were getting in on rebounding on both ends. And, you know, it's just like compounding factors for the Heat. Like, their offense is getting shut down. They were giving up good looks to shooters. And we're going to go into why they, they really had no choice but to do that. And now they're giving up extra possessions. So you're already losing the math battle. You're already sledding uphill on offense. You're trying to keep up with the Bucks' offense. You pretty much have to play defensive liabilities to try and keep up with the Bucks' offense. And now you're giving that offense extra possessions. Like, that is the formula for this kind of ass-kicking. It didn't take shooting 60% from three. It just took dominating this Heat team at every facet of basketball Besides officiating, which the Bucks have no control over, shouts to Mark Davis. But everything within the within the control of the teams, the Bucks were just much better at. That's how you get a result like this. Yeah, that's getting to my earlier point about the Bucks having the coaching advantage in the series. Uh, it's just music to my ears at this point, honestly. Um, you got to you got to take the victory laps when you can, because when this inevitably comes to, you know, <laughs> or maybe not. I'm not going to say that. I was going to say, we're getting there in the middle of this pod of all pods. No, 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 it's not. It's not. Um, what should we talk about next year? So let's talk, uh, you, you mentioned it. Let's talk about why Milwaukee was getting such good looks on offense. Yeah. So we come into this game, and one, we should say, yes, the Bucks did shoot really well from three in that first quarter. Like that was that was great. <laughs> Ten of fifteen, I believe, from three in one quarter, which kind of sealed the game right then and there. Yeah, it helps. Uh, it helps. It it helps. But 
it's not entirely unsustainable from a game perspective. Like you talked about this, I mentioned this. The shooting, the raw shooting numbers alone, we've already mentioned, are sustained. Uh, it's it's a little bit sustainable, but they're getting good looks, and that's because Milwaukee is getting such attention from Miami when they have primary actions involving their big three. And what does that do? That leaves guys like Bryn Forbes, like Pat Connison, uh, like Bobby Portis to get good looks because Miami is so focused on Chris Middleton, on Giannis Antetokounmpo, on Drew Holiday, and deservedly so. Like, if you don't give those guys attention, each one of them will rip your head off. <laughs> like, <laughs> each one of them is capable of single-handedly beating this Miami Heat team. So, and if you have all three of them on the court at once, which Milwaukee did for large stretches of this game, you're not going to win that battle unless you're giving up threes to these auxiliary players. And what happens when you do that? You get a flamethrower like Bryn Forbes lighting your ass up. You get Bobby yeah. Portis getting buckets. You get Pat Connaughton actually making threes for the first time in a while, which is a great sight to see. You get these sort of looks. And what are you supposed to do? Not give attention to Chris Giannis and Drew? No, because again, they will kill you. So this you, is the this is the problem that Miami faces. And it's this is why I'm saying the series is over. Yeah, I, I agree. I think and it's not just because they're up too low. Obviously there was a series two years ago where that happened, but the circumstances were so much different. And it's not even just that this was a blowout win. It's deeper than that. That's why we're diving into why these things happened. And again, like if you're paying close attention to this, I invite you, tell me what changes for Miami to win four games out of the next six. I don't see it. I don't know what happens possibly to turn this around to that. That's realistic to, to turn this series around. The Bucks are simply dominating every facet of basketball. Even if Miami wrestles back one of them, it's probably not enough. Not enough to win four times in six games, that's for sure. I mean, the margin is so small now. If the Bucks have one more strong shooting performance in Miami, it's going to get tough really fast. It might get That's why they made the NBA record of threes. It was in Miami, wasn't it? it? I think it was, yeah. At least against Miami, I know that. So you talked about it's not that much of an outlier shooting performance. You want to hear something funny? Yeah, of course. It was point, 0.2% better than their average field goal shooting performance. So basically right on. That is a little skewed because they took a ton of threes, of course. But I thought it was funny that they basically shot what they always shoot from the field, uh, and it just like it it wasn't it wasn't that much of an outlier. They just took a lot of threes. It felt like they made a ton. They played at their pace. Like that's what really matters yeah. here. They, they played the at their heat, pace. The, the they got bogged down in game one. Yep. Like Miami loves to play really slow, and the Bucks kind of played into that a bit in game one. Nah, they didn't. They came out of the gates. They asserted their dominance. Like, they just, they were like, okay, we are dictating this game. Like, we talked about this on the preview pod. Like, Jimmy Butler has, he's shown previously in uh, altered situations, altered circumstances, that he can potentially control some games in a LeBron-esque style. We have not seen that at all from Jimmy Butler. Like I said, just absolutely peak performance from Jimmy Butler these last two games. Stupidly locked in, by the way. Uh, Jimmy Butler, he's ready for the playoffs. The Miami Heat wanted this matchup, by the way, Ty. Should have been smartly locked in, maybe, instead. There we go. Um, but yeah, Milwaukee, they were the ones who dictated the pace. And when they play fast and they get a ton of shots up and they can actually shoot at their normal percentage, it's over. Like, Miami allegedly has a good defense, and Milwaukee just put up 132 points. They don't have a good enough good defensive players, and that's just, just and they don't have enough good players. Full stop. And that's going to be that's that's the real reason. I mean, strategy aside, the talent disparity is just vast. I mean, the Bucks nine man rotation, worst guy by far, Pat. Sure, you can say what you want to say. Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, PJ Tucker are just more useful on both ends than. Andre Iguodala, Dwayne Dedman. Dragic is pretty good. I'll give you that. He's not. He's more of a one-way player. He's got some juice defensively, but he's pretty good. But the rest of this bench, and then even some of the starters, like Kendrick not, Nunn. You, you forgot not included for a James Harden or Kyler or Kyler uh, Kyle Lowry trade, uh, Mr. Tyler Hero. You mean worse Dante? Is that who you're talking about? I think that is who I'm talking worse about. Worse Dante. We, 
we know how we felt about Dante. <laughs> well, there's no question because one of them's bad at defense and offense, and the other one's just inconsistent. Tyler Harrow, one for five, looking more lost than his dad trying to find the correct bathroom in Fiserv. But I can't believe that's the thing that happened. I, I'm just going with Twitter on that one. Um, Kendrick Nunn, the drop killer, is what I saw him refer to it in some Miami Heat pregame, pre-series reading materials. Kendrick Nunn, difference maker, the drop killer. He honored Milwaukee by shooting four for 14 from the field in this game. It was a minus 20. He can't play defense. Like, 4-1-4, baby. You're just you're giving up so much when your team is this bad. Like, I don't think they can start none or Ariza again. They're just not good enough. They're going to, though. Well, they're going to or they're going to, like, their starters are going to play, like, 40 minutes, and I don't know who's going to fill in the minutes. Like, you could play if they want to. Then this, The adjustment eventually is going to be – Either one or both of Dragic and Deadman starting, but like, okay, really? That's yeah. The... If, you, if you start Deadman one, he's going to get put in a blender every single time on the defensive end. Like that's, they are. This has to been happening. Him. Yeah, Which, yeah. Like I'm glad you said that. That has been happening every time Dwayne Deadman is on the court. No matter how effective he is on the offensive end, he's giving back those points on the defensive end because they are running high screen and roll involving Deadman's guy. Every single possession. And I mentioned this earlier, but this is one of the biggest differences between last year and this year's Bucks team, and it gets back to the coaching thing. They are hunting on defense. They really are. And that starts with Dwayne Dedman. So if you do that, not only are you giving someone another person for the Bucks to hunt on the defensive end, you're also giving Jimmy and Bam less spacing. And they already Somehow. suck with the spacing they have. Somehow less spacing. Um, yeah, Deadman, I just looked since the beginning of last season across three different teams in 984 regular season minutes has made 23 three-pointers. 23 for 112, shooting 20.5% oh, over the last two regular seasons, 60-game sample there. Uh, I think it was one for two in this game. That's found money for Miami. Uh, eight for eleven from the field. Overall, strong game. Cleaning Anything up. Anything Dwayne Dedman has found money. <laughs> uh, Dwayne Dedman showing up and literally not being a dead man has found money. But surprisingly, he had the most life of all. Ironically, the most life of the entire Miami Heat team. But it's like, if that's the adjustment, the guys who have played the best stardom, sure. Dragic, Robinson, Butler, Bam, Dedman. Again, like spacing wise, somehow even worse. Defense wise. Deadman, good luck, buddy. Don't know who Deadman's guarding. I guess Lopez and Bam on Giannis. I don't know. There's, then, oh, my God, if they do that, then Dragic and Robinson are going to end up. One of them is going to be on Drew or Chris, and that's just that's lunch meat for those two guys. I want to talk about Drew in a second. But the big problem is your bench, if you do that, is Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Ariza, Andre Iguodala, Tyler Harrow, Nemanja Bialica. That's all you have. So your reserves – in that situation, are just going to get absolutely filleted, like filet mignon. Donis Haslam? If you need two minutes and, and one ejection, I mean, the Heat are probably that, – that's, that's He probably won't even get ejected if it's Mark Davis. That's true. Well, I mean, hey, it's they, they were playing for ejections more than wins for most of the, the game, two too. Two flagrants so. and one dead ball technical in one quarter. Heat culture, baby. Heat culture, baby. Bucks culture is superior culture. But I was talking about Drew Holiday. Speaking of Bucks culture, um, re-signed already. Drew Holiday, but I think you could look at some of this. I forgot about that the other day. I remembered that. I was like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. (laughs) Life is good right now. Life is pretty good right now. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, 5 for 12 from the field, 11 points for Drew. You could just look at that and be like, oh, I don't know about that. But even the box score can't fully hide how great he is. 15 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, 2 turnovers. Team best, plus 37. And I, I say it every pod. When I cite game one game plus minus, that single game plus minus is incredibly noisy. And it's true. However, in the playoffs, you kind of just have to go with some noisy stuff sometimes. I'm not saying it's the end-all be-all, but I do think it is worth noting when there's an extreme plus minus in a playoff game. Even if you can explain it away as not being that player's fault, you only get so many shots in series. You get, you know, four losses max to be to be act more, even more precise. So the single game plus minus I look at just a little bit more. It's not indicative in itself of anything, but this one was fitting that Drew was plus 37 despite scoring 11 points on 12 shots. 15 assists really underscores the fact that he was able to over and over and over 
penetrate into the heart, the soft underbelly of that Miami defense. And unlike Jimmy Butler, who got into the Bucks defense a little bit and said, hell no, no thanks, and just whipped it back out, Drew is finding open shooters and open cutters left and right, setting those players up with great looks, and they were knocking them down. He was clinical in this game. He brought the same defense as always, but man, oh man, was his passing beautiful. Do you know how difficult it is to be like a plus 22 in under seven minutes of an NBA game? Like Wait, that's difficult. that? Like six minutes and 25 seconds. Like that's how much Drew Holiday needed to play to be a plus 22. In what quarter? Like, the first quarter. Oh, I'm not shocked. How many like, assists did he have? Seven assists in that quarter? Seven assists in the first quarter. Like, again, single game plus minus. Super noisy. That's it. That says something. That is a meaningful. He was out That's there. Meaningful. He was out there, and they put up a blowout for a whole game margin of victory in six minutes. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. And you mentioned not the greatest shooting night for him. Like, what did he end up five of twelve shooting? I believe. Yeah, yeah five of twelve shooting. One of four from three. Not shooting the ball well from three. In this, so far in this year. One for nine. Some One for Bucks, nine. Bucks have positive regression coming, not negative regression, folks. They do. Yes. But he's also an absolute freaking psycho on the defensive <laughs> end of the floor. Like, like, he takes it personally every time someone full court presses him. There was an instance in the third quarter or late second quarter when the Heat were like, okay, I guess we still have to pretend we're in this a little bit. <laughs> Where uh, Kendrick Nunn and I think it was Duncan Robinson or Goran Dragic were sort of pressuring him in the backcourt and sort of trapping him. And he was like, nah, I'm getting out of this and I'm making this a five on three for my team. And then when you come back on the other end, I'm going to take the ball from you consecutively to make you ever full court press me again. Like this man, this man is a psycho. So it's fine if he's not, and like you said, there's positive regression coming for him. He's got some step backs coming soon. I I think honestly, game three or four. I mean, we're we're gonna talk sweep. We're gonna look at sweep. But the true fact How could you the not matter, at this point ex- for sure. But the true fact I mean, it's the over is, anyway. Sorry, go ahead. You win either one of these, and the series is basically over. You're up at, at worst 3-1, heading back to serve. Obviously, 3-1 has not always worked for every team, but it's a, a pretty damn good place to be, especially because just all the evidence of this series so far. But one positive regression, Drew Holiday, 4 for 6 from deep on three-step backs game, that's going to be super hard for Miami to overcome the way they've struggled offensively. So Drew Holiday, both ends. I mean, I think the way to say it best, none of this is possible without Drew. None, none of, of this is possible because he's going to destroy Kendrick Nunn. <laughs> anyone. Anyone they put on him. It's Sorry, the pun was there. I had to take it. Jordan's already rubbing off him. Oh, yeah, he is. Shouts to, uh, shouts to Adam and Jordan, um, always. But let's talk about Giannis for a little bit. I think – Certainly a, a nice bounce-back game for him. It seems like the arm is good, although he did wear the shooting sleeve again. And it looked great. But yeah, yeah, it's a good good, good accessory. The shooting touch not there, one for seven from deep. I think – I don't know he if – He made his first one, and then he was like, nah. <laughs> well, I, I wonder if he would have taken so many. Well, A, if it wasn't a blowout, and B, like, it must have just felt like, I want to get it on this party. Everyone's splashing threes. I want to get it on this too. But didn't work for him. But 11 for 16 from everywhere else, which is pretty good, it turns out. Six for seven from free throw, all we're going to say about that. 13 rebounds, including six offensive, six assists, three steals, one block, two turnovers, plus 19, 31 points for the Greek Freak, even with the one for seven from deep. 31 points on 23 shots, not too shabby for Giannis Zedekumbo. Can I tell you my favorite Giannis thing of this series so far? Please do. It's this newfound tendency when a player he's guarding is posted up in the paint surveying, and namely it's Jimmy Butler, all of a sudden, and I I don't think he's done this very often, if ever. I mean, part of it is because he's always been off ball, but Giannis is like reaching all the way around like Doc Ock and just stabbing the basketball out of Jimmy Butler. It's happened several times this season. Yes, I'm very. I'm glad you brought this up 
it's like so unfair because that's such a thing in offenses, right? It's like getting into the paint a little bit, then let me stop, let me think about it, let me find somebody. If you take too long to make that decision and Giannis is guarding you, he's just going to knock the ball out. And for someone who picks up a lot of fouls, most of them BS, he's done a great job of being excessively clean about doing this and not getting whistled. And I just think like that makes his suffocating on-ball defense that much scarier. You're not even safe if you're posted up. That's like the no handles or like, you know, dribble picked up safe space, right? The like, Jimmy Butler. That's, that's my, when, when my handles were even worse and I played, you would see me posting up behind three because otherwise I'm getting my pocket picked. So let me just post up and find someone to pass you. That should be the safe space. Nothing is safe against Giannis Dezagubo. He will reach all the way around you and knock the basketball out to a Bucks fast break. That's probably ending in a great corner three. The guy is a menace. Great on both ends. Love to see the bounce back. Shoot a couple less threes next time, but everything else was looking yeah, good. Yeah, it's fine. If you, if you, like, I, I don't know. If you're putting up numbers like that, it is a blowout. Why not? Seven's like, too many. Seven's too many. I don't know. A little bit fun. Like, Mando's out here doing keepy-ups after uh, getting absolutely decked by Bielitsa, like, that's one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen. Like, all of the Heat players are being their fake tough selves and trying to fake fight. And then Man's just out here, like, playing soccer. <laughs> like, he's, he's having the time of his life. Like, just vibing. Good vibes. It's incredible. Like, it comes off adorable. I think he is trying to be disrespectful, but in a playful way. And it's definitely be, working. I would be super upset, dude. Like, you're selling out to stop this guy. It's not working. Your your whole team is mad. Goran Dragic is trying to put Chris Middleton in a leg lock. Everything else, and then has the audacity to complain about it. And then course. it gets reviewed, and it's the whole Nikias. Yeah, we had, there's Phil. We saw you, like. But it's a foul still assessed on Chris Middleton out of that. Yeah, they can't take that back. I don't think. Oh, stupid! But um, all this happening though, and Giannis is just like. Kicking the ball around, having a good time with the mates, everything else. It's great. Um, yeah, I, I still think we're going to see one. Sign better. the Supermax, by the way, in case y'all forgot. <laughs> he did indeed sign the Supermax. I still think we have one even better than this Giannis game in this series. But TBD, TBD on that. We're, we're getting pretty lofty. Um, who else should we talk about uh, before we wrap up here? We, Let's we talk got, about Bobby Portis. Let's oh, yeah. About the oh, speaking of the heat being punks to Giannis. Was that was that Bielitsa? Yes, it was. Knocks over Giannis and is standing awfully close. Might be a a standover, probably not a step over, but you know one of those like stand near and and kind of look down on situations. Bobby Porter said, "Hell no!" Gets right up in there, extends the arm, gets in front Bielitsa, of Mama, gets everything in front of Mama. He, he probably imagined Bielitsa punching Mama. That's how Bobby. No, she was at the game. Well, no, I know, but in his mind, he oh yeah. Getting sure, punched, sure. but extends the arm, says, hell no, no one is staring down at Giannis, not tonight, not ever. He gets a tech, which is BS, but totally worth it. But I just love a good enforcer. I think that was perfect enforcer. Sometimes it can come off corny a little bit. This was not corny. That was all business, just like, no. Like, get no out of Bobby Portis will fight you. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ask Miritich about it. Um, but <laughs> look at Bobby Portis. Stare into Bobby Portis' eyes and ask him if he's gonna if you're gonna fight. They him. called him crazy eyes on the TNT broadcast. It's like it's a little disrespectful, but I get the point. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I think it was Reggie. Ah, of course it was. Um, well, we've Reggie. heard more disrespectful on national broadcasts. May I, may I remind you about Mark Jackson? May I remind you of TNT turning off the game. I'd hit that out of the park. No disrespect. Oh my god! Yeah, I all forgot. people forget that happened. I will not let oh, the I will not let the I nation forgot forget about that. This man was talking about LeBron James's <laughs> wife and said those words. That's just he said no disrespect. Like okay, that's not how that works. You can't just say yeah. At least like Jeff Van Gundy's like wholesome about it. it's like. I'm sorry, but Rihanna just walked behind me and stuff. Like, that's that's adorable. Yeah. Mark Jackson is just straight up. That's, that, that's out of pocket. Pretty that's sus. out of pocket. Yeah, that's out of pocket. But yeah. Like, TNT has straight up turned off a Bucks game, though. Yeah. Uh, I said you knew it was an occasion because uh, the TNT showed the full game when they broke a three-point record. 
Yeah. Doesn't always happen when the Bucks break a three-point record. That's how you know it's a really special one. TNT's one for two now. <laughs> Shooting a lot better percentage than Miami, that's for sure. For sure. Definitely more than Jimmy and Bam. Um, but, yeah, Bobby Portis, he was great. And in addition to being an excellent enforcer out there on the court, he was actually producing two yeah. of three from three. He was getting in on it. Just doing what we thought he could do in this situation. And, of course, his benchmate, we talked about it up top, Bryn Forbes, absolute masterclass, absolute shooting masterclass. Oh, if three is not going to stop this man. This man is the human torch, except an actual good version and not the Chris Evans and whatever. Oh, man, that's rough. The Michael B. Jordan. The Michael B. Jordan movie, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Don't watch I have, it. I've never seen it, and I don't plan on it. Have you ever they, seen they, Geely? No. So it's making the rounds again, like, stories of it it's ben affleck and j-lo because they're, they're dating again i just read a summary and watched a couple of youtube videos the worst movie with the most problematic plot they spent so much money on it it lost a billion worst movie ever Fan- fantastic four not that bad pretty bad sorry go on Bryn forbes flamethrower i gotta look this up later it's uh, g-i-g-l-i yeah. g-li is how it's pronounced though for some reason i Whatever. Uh, I'm going to keep that in a separate time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bryn Forbes. Yeah, the, he speaks for himself. He was so, so on fire tonight. So on fire. I was going to say hot, and then I was like, nah, Kevin Harlan already took that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that is what Bryn Forbes brings to this team. We were questioning beforehand. Well, we were we were fielding questions about whether yes. uh, Bryn Forbes is going to be playable during these playoff runs, considering he has a reputation of being a bad defender in the postseason. Like, especially, like, given it's been fair in this time with the Spurs, he's been played off the floor because teams have hunted him. And credit to him, he's worked on it. He's defended Jimmy Butler. He's hung when he's had to switch. Like, he, he's, he's fine with it. He's worked at his craft, and he's gotten better at it. Like, yeah, players are capable of doing that. Wild. Um, unlike Jimmy and Bam. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Bryn Forbes was just great. And you're going to get these games. You're going to get these games from role players, and you have to capitalize on them. You really do, and the Bucks just completely fed into it, and they that's the reason they won this game. So, like, should you capitalize if you have a guy in Duncan Robinson who makes more threes than the other team? Is it the kind of game you should capitalize on? You would think so. You would Is think it possible would... to lose a game like that? It's hard to say. We'll have to – ESPN stats and info, I'll have to do a deep dive. Uh, but Forbes, fantastic. Portis, fantastic. Taking my quick victory lap. I felt good about these signings. I thought they could make it work. Honestly, though – what I was wrong about, more credit to both of those guys on defense than even I, as a defender of both, gave them. They are both fighting and hanging in there and certainly doing well enough to justify what they bring on the other end. But I'd say even more than that. I think they've just been solid there. And I do think we we could get to a place where one or both is going to have to play not against certain players or certain lineups. But so far, so great on the returns on Forbes and, and Portis. Really encouraging stuff. For sure, for sure. Like, you were more sold than I was at the beginning of the uh, off season. I remember. Uh, I, it took me some convincing, and it's really it's really paid off here. It this really is the benefit is. of these specialists, man. Like, trying to find these bench players for cheap who are supposed to be able to do everything usually end up doing more close to nothing than everything. So get a guy who you – get two guys – who you know are just going to be snipers. That's what you needed around Giannis. It's here now. So now, we, like we talked about, defenses in this unenviable. Yeah, snipers who can play defense. Yeah, at least a little bit. But the yeah. sniping is almost more important. I mean, I know Corver was Corver, but they like survive on defense. What did you say? Heritage. He didn't make the shots. That's, that's true. That's the difference. He didn't make the shots. Like you, the the sniping was so important. Like survive on defense, fight, scrap. But open up that space because then the defense, uh, the other team's defense, is just in a no-win position of like, if we saw to stop Giannis, Bryn and Bobby and Chris and Drew and I guess Brooke Lopez and Pat, who was five for nine, give quick shout out to Pat who nearly shot as well as Prince Forbes did from three. Great game for Pat Connaughton. He's Pat. He shot well tonight. It's good stuff, Pat. Um, but all these shooters just knocking down trays like. You can't guard Giannis and guard those guys with just a modicum of, of off-ball and, and play designs, and we're seeing all this now. Back to crediting Bud again. 
it's just been awesome so far. It really has. Like, I can't see any way that Miami gets even a game in this series. Maybe they can find someone else who's been on the couch all all year and is ready to come in and contribute like stud center Dwayne Dedman. That's oh, that's Adonis Haslam's music. You know, I I I was I mentioned in the game one post game. Uh, I don't know, man. Precious Achua might come in and be an issue guarding Giannis, and then Mamadi Diakite absolutely sunned him in garbage time. So I'm a little less worried about that one now. That was a, that was an incredible block. Like I was I was half paying attention at that point. I couldn't believe they didn't whistle it because the way this game was going. Yeah, I was like, I think the, even Mark Davis was like, yeah, let's just go, go home. Yeah, go. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's wrap this up here. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was an incredible block. Uh, blonde Bobbity, just incredible content. It's, it's, it's great all around. Like, we got to see Axel Tupod play in a playoff game against the Miami. Score. He scored. Yeah. I think it was a putback. It was, I believe. One, it was three. Axel. Yeah, Sam Merrill hit a three. Uh, Jordan Wara hit a three. Like Jordan Wara, six shots in eight minutes. Never changed. Well, change a little. Play some defense, but <laughs> yeah, just clean it up a bit, and then you, you'll you'll have a you'll have a spot next year. I can yeah. I can say that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What What else do we need to cover from this game here? I don't think we talked about Dante. Um. So just oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Dante, shout out. Like. It wasn't the best offensive performance, and we should be used to that at this point, honestly. We are. However, however, just like Drew Holiday, maybe not just like Drew Holiday, <laughs> but in the same style, like he was playing phenomenal on-ball, off-ball defense. He was making smart cuts, smart reads, making sure if his defenders like not even on the court because they were running off uh, off of a off of a miss, and then it's like, oh yeah, you get an offensive rebound because we're so much bigger than you. You can't just go cherry pick. Duncan Robinson, I'm adding you. Um, Dante's just going to go and get a cut for an easy layup. Like These sort of things happen when you're reading the game at a high level, and that's what Dante was doing. Even though he didn't have the best shooting performance, like I just mentioned, I thought he had a solid game. Like Props to Dante. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to knock down the shots in closer games for sure, so get out all the misses now. But encouraging that, you know, it looks bad two for seven, but he's one for six from deep, so he made his only two. So... Whenever Dante is making shots within the paint, or at least making the ones he tries, that feels good. Because, you know, you can play a guy who's a shaky shooter. If he's not going to make layups, that's when things get really dicey for Dante. So he's been converting those looks, except when the officials take them away, like happened in game one, for no reason. But seven rebounds, some of the most loud, impactful rebounds, like he goes flying through the air. It's like on 2K when... Like the CPU will do the follow-up dunk animation that never actually does anything. That's Dante flying in to grab contested rebounds. But he actually gets them a lot of the time. Four assists, two steals, three turnovers, just five points. But a a solid Dante game where he did make an all-around impact. Hopefully next time out the shots are falling a little bit. For sure, for sure. It's There's only positive shooting regressions to come for the players who probably need it the most, and that's Drew Holiday and Dante DiVincenzo. Even Chris Middleton, like, if you shoot more, that'd be great. Like, do it. Like, we we know you can. No one on this Heat team can guard you, realistically. Like, I think the only person that maybe can is Jimmy, and that's because he'll just follow you. And And there's there's, then there's not enough Jimmy to go around, which is the fundamental issue for Miami. Yeah, Jimmy can't guard Chris, Giannis, and stay with Drew while following around and helping off of Dante and Brooke. Like, he can't do all of that at once. Um, Well, maybe he can because he's not using a lot of energy on the offensive end. That's true. That's true. No, he's he's using all of his energy to go drive to the rim and then throw it out of bounds. And to organize games between the third stringers and the starters for after the uh, the real games end. Yeah. Got to get psyched for that next location change. Um, uh, it's okay. The Heat promised him a title. Though. <laughs> well, luckily, 47-year-old Kyle Lowry is potentially on the way. So, And Kawhi is going to pretend like he's interested before doing something inexplicable. So, yeah, things are, things are looking great uh, in Miami. But... I think unless you had anything last last minute stuff, I just wanted to before we get ready to sign off here, just say if this is the first time listening to the Eurostep Podcast Network, this is the Eurostep. We also have Winning Six Podcast, and they're actually doing a mailbag show tomorrow, probably today, as you're hearing this. So 
at winin6, the numeral podcast on Twitter. Send them some questions. Uh, Send them questions involving uh, Adam trying to retract his Bobby Portis takes and tell them Ty sent you. (laughs) Rohan always going to be blamed for his pod takes. Ask Adam and Jordan about Bobby Portis and all other Bucks things, too. I've seen some of the questions roll in. they got some good ones. It's going to be a great episode. I can't wait to check it out. But because of the Eurostep Podcast Network being formed, this podcast and that podcast called This One Feed Home. So if you're listening to this, make sure you are subscribed. And if you want to go above and beyond, be a GSPN OG Go on Apple. Eurostep Podcast Network, by the way. Apparently, that's tough to realize. Are you taking shots in this pod? At everyone, shots at all sides from Rohan Kadi. See, you're you're making it seem like shots because they don't know about them. Yeah, that's true. Um, Regardless, uh, review on Apple. Even if you don't use Apple, grab someone's Apple device real quick. Search up Eurostep Podcast Network five star rating and review. And if you're listening for the first time, thank you. We appreciate it. Hit subscribe on that podcast platform. Take in the work a little bit more. Be awed by all the great content. And then next time we call for reviews, then maybe you'll be comfortable with doing that too. Or do it now. Who can say? Do it right now. You have five seconds to subscribe. This podcast is going to self-destruct. Four, three, two, one. Make sure you're subscribed. That's a YouTube joke if you guys don't understand. Um, <laughs> uh, Ty, you just perfectly did the outro here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, make sure you do everything Ty just said. Check out all of the content across the entire Blue Wire Podcast Network. Stay safe, everyone. Go Bucks. Enjoy this victory, everyone. And we will talk to you next time.